with you today. Fantastic to be here on International Sunday, and I uh, love International Sunday, and uh, especially uh, seeing the diversity in our church is just fantastic, and it just enriches our fellowship, the diversity that we have uh, in the church. Anyone notice that the New Zealand flag had gained another star in the advertisement on International Sunday? I think that's an Aussie-made flag, is it, that one? Just uh, trying to creep New Zealand into the Australia country there. But uh, I was going to wear my Warriors Tuesday jersey, but unfortunately the um, one of them advertises DB Bitter and the other one's got lion red, so I didn't think they were really appropriate for on a Sunday morning. <laughs> we went through the role of our church a few years ago and uh, we had over 60 nations represented uh, in the church. And it just enriches the fellowship, doesn't it? just amazing. I love going traveling overseas and you know you like you land into say Chennai in India and Pastor Osborne there he greets you as you come in and then maybe hop over to Sri Lanka and Pastor Suresh is there or up into Samoa and uh, Man- Pastor Manwali uh, greets you there and uh, it's just like it's family isn't it? You can travel anywhere in the world and, and then you meet somebody that's a believer part of the uh, fellowship of Christ and it's like family that you meet there uh, straight away and There's something special about coming together. There's something special about celebrating our national differences, being together as one family. You know, we don't lose our national heritage when we become a Christian, but we we don't use that heritage as a test either as what is spiritual. The Bible teaches us that when we become a Christian, the Bible says that we are in Christ. We are one in Christ. We are to receive one another. We're not to dispute over cultural differences or try to project our culture uh, onto others. Some of the Jewish Christians back in the early days, and uh, they were trying to project onto the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, that they should become like Jews. They should uh, embrace the Jewish cultures when they became a Christian. And some of the Gentiles were doing the same with the Jews. We're free now. We're free from all that stuff. You need to be free from all that. And they were trying to project their freedom that they had in Christ onto the Jewish believers. And the Apostle Paul had to come and say, hey, 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 uh, just back up a little bit here. And he writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, he says this. He says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that now they are Christians, uh, then they are all equal. Uh, In Jesus Christ, there is no uh, cultural status or advantage or disadvantage with your culture. There's no advantage or disadvantage with your economic status or your political status. It goes on uh, slave or free, male or female. We don't build our fellowship on anything other than Jesus Christ and his work. And so you may be king at your work. You may be king in your home. uh, You may be king in your culture. But when you come to church on Sunday, there is a greater king that we come and we worship. And in all things, Christ has preeminence, he says. Christ is the head, uh, we are just parts of the body. He goes on and teaches in 1 Corinthians that all of the parts of the body are equal. No part is more important than the other. Uh, When I was leading the church, I always tried to have a horizontal structure, not a vertical structure. So it didn't really matter whether you're the senior minister or whether you were the youth pastor or the cleaner or whatever you were, uh, we are all equal we just have different roles. We have different uh, parts of the body we've, we've been called to fulfill. And because we're in Christ, uh, we look beyond the earthly differences that separate people and we enjoy just a spiritual unity uh, in Christ. Uh, in Neelam, we have uh, refused to plant ethnic churches. 
Um, we all have to get on in heaven, so we might as well try and get on down here, hadn't we? And uh, so we don't really have ethnic churches as such. Uh, I know what it's like. Uh, we've lived overseas, lived in a country where uh, English was not the predominant lang- language that was spoken, wasn't what was spoken in church. And, and uh, one of the things we really longed for, we really missed, was fellowship uh, and worshiping and fellowship in our own language. And uh, it's, there's something special about worshiping in your own language. And uh, unfortunately, we can't accommodate that uh, on a Sunday morning here. Uh, and we try to accommodate it in small groups as much as we can. Uh, but when we come together as church, we put aside our national and our cultural differences. I want to read a story this morning, and it's probably the furthest afield that uh, Jesus went, uh, and today what we would call Lebanon. Uh, he went outside the comforts of his own land and his own culture. And we have a story here about an unnamed Canaanite woman. And uh, so Matthew, got your notes here, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. And it says this, it says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. And Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The Canaanites, they were like ancient enemies of Israel. Occasionally they would come down and suppress them. Uh, But more importantly, uh, they had a seductive influence on God's people. uh, uh, They caused Israel time and time again to move away uh, from worshipping God and to following after idols. And so this woman, she was in the midst of all of this idolatry, very strong in the land that she lived in, and she makes a decision that she's going to go after Jesus. Now you have to understand, we look at the story and we think that the miracle in the story is the healing of the woman's daughter. But the miracle in this story really begins when the mother makes a decision that she's going to cross over her cultural line, she's going to move out and follow after somebody that she shouldn't, she's going to try and reach out to Jesus. Uh, to the Jews, the Canaanites were the Gentile dogs. They were unclean. No good Jew would have any contact uh, with the Gentiles. And Jews had strict rules about what people were clean, what people were unclean, what food was clean, what food was unclean. Uh, Jesus had been debating with the Pharisees, the religious rulers of the day, uh, that what comes out of your mouth is more important than what goes into your mouth. And uh, what comes out of your mouth shows what is in your heart whether you're a clean or an unclean person. And so Jesus, in this encounter, he shows there's no difference between people, no race is uh, better than another, no sex is superior to another. Uh, Gene studies have showed us uh, that the human race is all the same. But this lady knew that in the eyes of the Jews, she was a second-class person. A Jewish person wouldn't have anything to do with her. And the the Jews had good reason to, uh, because... Because they worshipped idols, and one of the idols that they worshipped was the sex goddess. And the Jewish people were trying to keep themselves pure uh, from these demonic influences. They didn't want to happen to them what had happened to this lady's daughter. And maybe this lady's worship of idols had opened up the door to allow her daughter to be demon-possessed. We don't know that. But we see some real qualities in this girl's mum. And these are qualities that can turn the hand of God. And maybe if you're looking for an answer from God this morning, maybe you're praying for somebody and you're looking for an answer, maybe you've been trying to reach out to God to hear something and you haven't been able to hear anything from God, you're trying to get salvation, maybe healing or deliverance from somebody. Uh, it's, look at how this lady got her prayer answered. 
Okay, the first thing I want to suggest to you this morning is this. Love refuses to be offended. Love refuses to be offended. She made, this, she made her daughter's problem her own, her own. I didn't even know if the daughter knew that she was demon-possessed, but the mum knew. And she picked up the problem and made it her own. She was grieving for her daughter. She would do anything to help her daughter, even if it meant personal abuse. No wonder she touches the heart of God. God understood. He, realized, he knew what it was like to agonize over a child. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And God knows what it's like to watch somebody go through, a loved one, go through rejection and suffering and grief. And he's had the same experience. No wonder this woman touched his heart. Look at verse 25. It says, And the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. She began calling out to Jesus, Lord, help me. And Jesus just ignored her. She got louder and louder. Like, this is embarrassing stuff. You know what it's like and you're walking down the road and maybe you're walking down uh, Pukekohe there on one side and Pastor Darrell's coming up the other side and he's calling out to you and you're sort of like, you know, who's he with? You know, you're hoping nobody recognizes that you might know him or something like that. Like it's really embarrassing. Even the disciples here got embarrassed. They say to Jesus, send her away. She is crying out to us. And Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. It sounds like Jesus is saying, I can't help you because you come from the wrong race. I can't help you because you're an unclean person. I can't help you, you know, you are second class. It sounds like Jesus is saying that. But anyone that has any understanding of Scripture knows that that Scripture contradicts this idea. Israel was called to be a holy people of grace who welcome foreigners a city on a hill that encouraged outsiders and encouraged outsiders to follow after God. Even the temple that the Jewish people had, it had a court of the Gentiles. Remember the story when Jesus went into the temple and the court of the Gentiles was filled with money changers and people and buying and selling. And Jesus got really, really angry. He got the whip out and and he cleansed uh, the temple. It was a court of the Gentiles. The Jewish people were stopping non-Jewish people, Gentile people, from coming and worshipping God. And Jesus got angry at that. See, they were called to be a people that reached out to the world. That's why Jesus says he's only sent to the lost sheep, to the house of Israel. He had been sent to set things right as Israel's role as the anointed king. After his resurrection, Jesus gave the commission to the disciples. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel go to everyone for god so loved the world not just a race and uh, the fact that jesus called him lord here it stands up in the face of all the traditions of her background the fact that she called him lord meant that she had a revelation that he was more than just a good man he is more than just a prophet when she said lord she's not acknowledging who she is who he is and when she said help me she's acknowledging who she is She's saying, I know you've got the power, and I know I've got the problem. Some people have really great amount of trouble admitting that God has got the power. There's another group of people that have trouble admitting that they got the problem. She was not too arrogant to admit that she needed some help. See, you have to be humble enough to say, Lord, help me. And you have to be discerning enough to call him Lord, to know where to go for help. The disciple said, send her away. 
and she never said anything to them. She hadn't come to see them. Even if she had come to see them, they probably couldn't have helped her anyway. So she just ignores them. But we find also that Jesus ignored her. He gave her the cold shoulder. This travel woman, she had travelled up the coast, she'd come all this way, she'd crossed these cultural lines to come in to see Jesus, uh, talk to her about her sick daughter, she had left the daughter at home to do that, comes to Jesus and it's like Jesus says no. The Bible says he answered her not a word. I don't know what's worse. You know when you're praying to God and it's like this rejection or this silence. Like you don't hear an answer to your prayer. You know what it's like when you've been praying to God about something and, and, and there's no answer to your prayer and, and then you're wondering, does God hear my prayer? Or does God not really like me? I'm like a second-class person. I'm a second-class Christian. He doesn't really know me. There's other people that are more important than me. You know that feeling when you pray to God and there's no answer to your prayer and, and you struggle with that? Have you ever had to live with God's silence? You've got a problem and you know that God is the only one that can fix it. And sometimes we feel like God is giving us a cold shoulder. He just doesn't answer us and we keep crying out to him and he says nothing. And, and in times like this, we're just, like, we're just tempted to give up, just to stop praying. It didn't stop this woman. She had such a love for her daughter. Love refuses to be offended. Second thing I want to suggest to you out of this passage is this. That faith refuses to be offended. She knew that Jesus was the only answer to her daughter's problem. You know, sometimes the great miracles that we see we, often in the Bible too, it's when, it's when Jesus comes to a person or Jesus comes to us, something happens and it's a great miracle. But some of the greatest things that can happen in our life is when we make an effort and we go to him. Two-thirds of the word God is go. And so when we make the effort and we go to him, sometimes you've got to cross the line to get what you want from God. Sometimes you've got to take some steps of faith. Sometimes you've got to put some more work into it. Sometimes you've got to travel to get it. Sometimes you've got to go out of your way. You know, you've got to step over your traditions. You've got to step over what you've heard. You've got to step over what you've been taught because faith crosses the line. Don't ask God for faith if you're not prepared to move. Faith will cause a woman to push her way through the crowd and reach out if I can only just get hold of the hem of his garment. Faith will cause a man with a withered arm to stretch forth his hand. Faith will cause a, 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 a lady that has got some uh, containers and they're all filled up so she goes around the neighbours to try and get some more containers so she can get some oil in, in those containers here. Faith will cross the line. Faith will step out and do something. See, faith is radical. It's an action word. It's not a noun. It's a verb. If you've got faith, then you have to move. If you've got religion, you can sit still. It doesn't require any effort at all. But if you've got faith, it requires you to do something. This lady here, she says, my daughter's at home. I love my daughter. I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to try and get as close as I can to Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, I'm going to be there. I'm going to stick to him as close as I can because I know I've got a problem and I know that he can help me and I love my daughter and I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to step over the line and do whatever it takes to, to, so that I can help my daughter. Faith refuses to be offended. And then rejection refuses to be offended. See, not only did she step over her religion, she stepped over his religion as well because according to Jewish law and tradition, she shouldn't have had any dealings with Jesus being a Jew. And when she gets to where Jesus is, he says, I don't have any dealings with you. Go back. If you were easily discouraged, 
you would turn around and go back. You would think, what a rude man. If you came to see somebody and then they said, no, nah, I can't help you, go back, you would think, what a rude person. At least give me the time of the day. You, you, you think, I, I'm, I'm off, I'm offended, I, I'm, he's insulted me. I'm, I'm out of here, you know, I, I'm offended. But in the story here we're looking at this morning, Jesus wasn't deliberately snubbing this woman. What, you, what he was doing was, was he was trying to draw faith out of her. She was responding to this. So you need to have a faith that refuses to be offended. You need to have a faith that refuses to take rejection. Jesus admires our persistence. It's an indication of the hunger that we have in our hearts for God. Verse 26, he replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. He's saying it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. She didn't ask for bread. She didn't say she was hungry. But Jesus answers and says it's not right to take the bread. Jesus is here is calling healing bread. He's calling deliverance bread. That's what we're to pray, isn't it? When Jesus was asked how we were to pray. He said we're to pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. See, God has got bread for us. God has got bread that will meet our needs. God has got bread that will bring healing into our bodies. God has got bread that will set a person free. God has got bread that will answer our prayers. We are to pray, give us this day our Daily bread. There's bread there to feed us and to sustain us. What we need is bread from heaven. What this lady needed was bread from heaven. And the word dog, like it's kind of like an insulting word, isn't it, to call someone a dog? But Jesus doesn't, doesn't use this word. He's talking about dog as a little house pet. He's not talking about dog as a, a mongrel that runs around the streets at nights and gets into the garbage and stuff like that. Uh, he took the sting out of the word with like a little sense of humor when he's talking to this lady. He talks about the little house pet uh, that picks up the scraps. And this lady, she's as quick as a flash. She picks up that Jesus is speaking to her, that Jesus is using a bit of humor there. In those days, they ate food with their fingers. In many countries, they still do eat, eat food with their fingers. But when they'd finished eating, they would take a bit of bread and they'd uh, just wipe it off on their fingers and they would throw it to the dog that was sitting under the table. That's what Jesus is referring to here, the little house dog. And this lady, she, like, she picks this up as quick as a flash. She didn't take Jesus' words as a put-down. She took them as giving her hope. He spoke to her. Most rabbis wouldn't even speak to her. Jews wouldn't speak to unclean Gentiles. And Jesus, a rabbi, he's speaking to her. He's talking to me. He's giving me a hint. He's joking with me. He's got my attention there. In verse 27, she says, Yes, it is, Lord. She said, Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So look at this woman here. She had so much faith in Jesus. She said, I've got so much faith in you. I didn't come to take the whole loaf. I don't need the whole loaf. I'll, I'll just settle for a crumb. Because whatever is in the crumb is in the loaf. She's saying if there's milk in the bread, there's milk in the crumb. If there's flour in the bread, there's flour in the crumb. If there's butter in the bread, there's butter uh, in the crumb. If there's healing in the bread, there's healing in the crumb. If there's deliverance in the bread, there's deliverance in the crumb. If there's hope in the bread, there's hope in the crumb. A crumb from, of God's power, that's all we need. We don't need a whole loaf, do we? God, whatever it is you're praying to God about, whatever it is that you're reaching out to him, you don't need the whole power of God. What, just a crumb of God's power will be enough 
to meet my need. That's what this woman is saying here. In verse 28, it says, Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. See, two things happen often when we're praying to God. Sometimes Jesus just doesn't seem to answer. And we're just knocking at the door and knocking at the door and we don't hear anything and we kind of, all these thoughts go through our mind and he just doesn't seem to answer. And sometimes other people discourage us. You're wasting your time, you might as well move on. Jesus, just keep coming to Jesus. Just keep pushing into him. I just want to talk to folk this morning that maybe you've been praying over a situation in your life for a long, long time and you haven't seen an answer and you're getting really discouraged today, and just wondering what's going on, just wondering whether God's heard your prayer, God doesn't play games with us. God wasn't playing games with this woman. What he was trying to do, he was trying to draw faith out of her. He, he planned on meeting a need. He wanted to meet a need. He's trying to draw faith out of her. God is trying to draw faith out of us, and and so often there are so many things that are, that, that are speaking to us and voices that are speaking to us that are confusing us and God wants us to keep pressing and don't let go of the desires of your heart. Hang on to them. You may have been praying and praying and praying and then you think, oh, blow this, I'm off. Just as your prayer was about to be answered. You walked away too soon. You know, we don't like waiting, do we? It goes against the grain of living in a society that we live in today. Everything is instant, everything is quick, and uh, we're in a busy society. But you have better learn that in your dealings with God, you can't hurry God. The Bible says with God, a day is as a thousand years. And sometimes he makes us wait. Sometimes he makes us wait a long, long time. I just want to encourage you today, keep pressing in. Be persistent. Learn from this lady. Don't give up. God doesn't mind. In fact, God sees that as a quality in our hearts. Something that he wants to bless, a faith that refuses to be offended. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, I just pray, especially for folk here today that have really just been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and are feeling a little bit discouraged this morning. Father, I just pray, Lord, that the hope that this lady had as she pressed into Jesus will become the hope that we have in our heart today too. Lord, that we will keep reaching out to you, knowing that you're a good God. You love us. You want to answer our prayer. I just pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, can we thank Pastor Luke right now? What a great message, Pastor Luke.